We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Waltzing right back into your lives. Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very, very much as always for locking in, for checking us out today. And today's going to be an audio only episode. Not going to find this on YouTube. So audio only, Spotify, Apple, etc. And this is going to be, I did one of these a couple weeks ago and it went over pretty well. I got a lot of good feedback on it. So from time to time, I'm going to do this and I call them quick hitters and I'm just going to discuss three topics and it's not going to be a long episode at all. Get you out of here relatively quickly. I'm doing this solo. Generally speaking, I'm not a fan of doing solo episodes. Uh, I just, I don't like the flow all that much. And quite frankly, I don't think this is one of my strengths. I like to have guests on. I feel like I'm more of a, a conversationalist. And those are the type of, of podcast episodes I like to do the most. But from time to time, things just happen. And uh, this is one of them where, like I said, I'm just going to go solo today. Quick hitters, three topics. Uh, we'll be talking Jerry Hughes. Now, I know it's been a couple of weeks now since he signed with Houston, but haven't had a chance to get around to it yet. But Jerry Hughes, heard a lot of Bills fans talking about him being deserving of being on the Buffalo Bills Wall of Fame someday. So I'm going to have some thoughts on that. I want to spend a couple minutes talking about Josh Allen really taking that next step and becoming a superstar. And I'm talking way beyond Buffalo in Western New York and Bills Mafia. I'm talking about like Hollywood, Josh, like from a national perspective. I got some thoughts on that. And then I want to spend a couple minutes at the very end of this episode talking about uh, a TV show that I think is one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And that's This Is Us. It just wrapped last week. And look, I know it's not really about Buffalo or certainly not about Buffalo sports, but you know, this is a Buffalo podcast and that's what I do sometimes. And my guests do, we just talk about things. And I've heard a lot of Buffalo friends of mine or people on social media um, sports media folks as well, having a lot of thoughts and opinions on this show, pretty polarizing one way or the other. So I got some thoughts on that. I'm going to kind of plead my case a little bit on why I think it's one of the greatest TV shows ever. So that's what's on tap for today. Uh, I'll also say this too. We're now into June. So happy June. It's crazy how fast May went in it. 
anyway, before, before we get going to, I, I do want to say this when it gets to be this time of year, early June, we start to get as football fans, Buffalo Bills fans, you start to get really, really itchy. You want football to start. It's kind of been a lull now. You know, you have the regular season and then you have the playoffs and then the Bills will make some personnel decisions. They'll cut a few guys and then, or restructure a couple deals. And then you go into free agency. And then after that starts to wane a little bit, you start to get in the draft season and you start to learn about a bunch of these prospects. And then you have the draft. And then you have OTAs and minicamps, stuff like that. It gets to be early June. You start to get really, really itchy for football. And I get it. But I would, I would say this. Don't worry about football yet. Because if you become obsessed with the season starting, you're obsessed with it being September already. So you can have week one of the Buffalo Bills opening up in Los Angeles against the Rams. You're pretty much throwing away your summer. Like, let's chill a little bit. Enjoy summer first. And if you listen to this and you live in Western New York, you live in Buffalo, if you live somewhere up north, you know how it goes. You only get a couple months per year of awesome weather and things going on. And I've really come to appreciate, you know, I, I'm a lifelong Buffalonian who went to Florida for five years and just moved back last summer. And it really gives me a whole new appreciation having to endure winter and a very, very, very cold spring, by the way, this year. Like I'm excited about summer. Like I can't wait to do something every weekend and I want it to last a while. You know, you got lawn fates everywhere. You got community days everywhere. You got uh, the Allentown Art Festival. You got a lot of concerts. There's a lot of fun shit that goes on in Buffalo in the summer because that's when everyone's out and doing stuff. You know how it is. We all, for the most part, you hibernate in the winter and you kind of peek your head out a little bit when it gets to be St. Patrick's Day, early spring. Ditto for Dingus Day, but for the most part, kind of just chilling and waiting for. The nice weather. And now it's finally here because it's been cold. I mean, it snowed on Easter and shit this year. Enjoy the summer first before you get to, uh, before you start worrying and obsessing about the Buffalo Bills season starting because it's going to come soon enough. Late July will be here before you know it. Training camp. It's going to be here soon enough. So take these next handful of weeks, four, six, eight weeks, and just really enjoy everything that's, uh, What's going on up here? Hope you guys all had a uh, a good Memorial Day weekend. I kind of always feel weird saying it because it's not like any other holiday. It's not a really a, a weekend to celebrate. It's a weekend to remember and a weekend to honor. But you know how it is. We all get together with our friends and have some drinks, some food, enjoy each other's company. Hope you guys all enjoyed that. But anyway, all right. So let's just jump in. Like I said, this is not going to be long. Quick hitters, three topics, and then uh, I'll get you out of here. I do want to tell you that. On Friday, normal Friday, casual Friday with Joe Yurden. So uh, that'll be coming up later in the week. All right, so let's start with Jerry Hughes. And again, you know, this is kind of him signing with Houston, a two-year deal. That's pretty much old news at this point. But over the last batch of episodes or so, it just never really got around to having its discussion. But it's been on my mind because when he signed with Houston, which by the way, we all, I mean, we didn't know it was going to be Houston, but the writing was obviously on the wall that he was done in Buffalo when 
They signed Von Miller, and then they brought back Shaq Lawson as well. So we all knew Jerry Hughes was not coming back to Buffalo, but we just didn't know where he would end up. And it turns out he goes to Houston for a, a two-year deal. Anyways, upon his signing, a lot of fans took to social media and you know, expressed their well wishes to him. Very well-deserved, of course. And I've seen a pretty good amount of people say that Jerry Hughes belongs on the Bills Wall of Fame someday. And it really got me thinking. And by the way, as I talk about this, I would love to know your thoughts on this as well. So you could tweet me at Pamoran Tweets or email talkbuffalopodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. But do you think that Jerry Hughes is worthy or should be, I should say, going on the Buffalo Bills Wall of Fame someday down the road. And as of right now, there are 31 guys on the Bills Wall of Fame and none have been inducted since Cookie Gilchrist uh, went on there back in 2017. Now let's start, let's talk about Jerry Hughes' credentials with the Bills on the field. Spent nine years with the Bills. Uh, he was traded for Kelvin Shepard. Nine years he spent with the Bills. 128 games. 53 sacks. During that time, he had two double-digit sack seasons. Those were consecutively back in 2013 and in 2014. He had 16 forced fumbles. And Jerry Hughes was a good player, especially in playoff games. Seven playoff games for the Bills, seven sacks. Um, from a career perspective, Jerry Hughes is fourth all-time in team sacks. He's a half sack behind Phil Hansen, 25 behind Aaron Schobel, and a full 118 behind uh, Hall of Famer Bruce Smith. And he's 28th all-time in games played for the team. So. Does Jerry Hughes belong someday on the Bills Wall of Fame? I have a list of three separate tiers. We'll call them tiers. Where I think there's tier one we'll call no-brainers. This to me are guys who I say 100% without even having to think about it belong on the Wall of Fame before Jerry Hughes. So the first tier is going to be no-brainers, and I got three of them. Then the second tier is every bit is worthy. These are guys, self-explanatory, that I think every bit as worthy of going up on the wall as Jerry Hughes would be. And in some cases, I might be generous by saying every bit is worthy because it might be closer to no-brainers. But anyway, I got three more names for that. And then the last tier is debatable. These are three guys that I think you could have a very reasonable debate on whether they should go in before Jerry Hughes, where I think you can make a very strong case for either side. Now, obviously, these are my personal opinions, not necessarily facts. Don't want to throw that out there. But anyway, let's start with the no-brainers. Again, I got three of them. These are three guys that I don't even think you should be talking about Jerry Hughes going into the Wall of Fame before these three guys go up on the Wall of Fame. Number one, and I'm sure a lot of you guys agree with this, Eric Moulds. 
don't even really need to state his case. He's pretty much second in every wide receiver statistical category for the Buffalo Bills all time, behind Andre Reid. Eric Moulds absolutely should be on the Bills Wall of Fame right now. That should have happened a while ago, too. Ditto for the next guy I got on this list. And that's Ruben Brown. Former first-round pick, nine seasons with the Bills, eight Pro Bowls. If you're younger and you didn't know that, let me repeat that. Nine seasons he played with the Bills, and he made the Pro Bowl eight times. Now, was Ruben Brown to some extent overrated? Probably. You know how Pro Bowls work, especially when you're on good teams. You get your name out there, and you end up on the Pro Bowl. Sometimes, maybe you're not quite worthy, but, but you're, you know how it goes. I don't give a shit, man. Nine seasons with the Bills, eight Pro Bowls. Eight. No-brainer. And then the last one on the uh, no-brainer list, and the only reason why I would say he shouldn't be up there right now is because he just retired recently, and that's a guy that Jerry Hughes played a lot of football with, alongside, and that's Kyle Williams. Hughes played nine seasons with the Bills. Kyle Williams played 12. 48 and a half sacks for his career, too, which is, I believe, it's just, it's four and a half sacks less than Jerry Hughes. Kyle Williams is an all-timer for the Bills. Maybe their best drought player. Certainly one of them, anyway. I mean, you can't really call him a drought player, I guess, because he did make the playoffs in his final season. But anyway, those are three guys that, if you tell me Jerry Hughes is going to, uh, deserves to be on the wall of fame before either Moles, Browner, or Kyle Williams, I'm really, I got no interest in even listening to what you have to say. And then I got the next category, which is three guys that I think are every bit as worthy. The first one, and it blows my mind that he's not talked about much, much, much more when it comes to honors like this. That's Will Wolford. Will Wolford was a Buffalo Bill for eight years. He played in two Pro Bowls. He was an All-Pro once. Will Wolford was one of the best left tackles in the entire NFL during his time here in Buffalo. He was the guy responsible for protecting Jim Kelly's blind side in the K-Gun offense. He was one of the best in the entire NFL. And the Colts paid him a shitload of money when free agency essentially started because of Will Wolford. It blows my mind that he's not talked about more. Love Will Wolford. Every bit is worthy at a minimum. And I, again, I'm being generous because I think Will Wolford is a, a no, he's a lock to go in before Jerry Hughes, or at least he should be anyway. I mean, maybe the Bills don't see it that way because Will Wolford should have been on the wall a long time ago. Another guy who also played during that era, Nate Odoms. Nate Odoms played with the Bills for seven years. He had 26 interceptions, which is fifth all-time in team history. He was a two-time Pro Bowler. And he was on the Buffalo Bills 50-year anniversary team, which also Will Wolford was as well. I believe Will Wolford was. I can't confirm that off the top of my head, but I know for a fact Nate Odoms definitely was. One of the best corners in the NFL during his time with the Buffalo Bills. 
another first-round pick that really panned out. A great player during the Super Bowl era. And it's getting to a point now where you're catching a theme here with guys like Ruben Brown and Wolford and Nate Odoms. I think a lot of fans who would push for Jerry Hughes before those guys are probably younger fans. And that's not disrespecting any younger fans out there. You just don't know any better. You didn't watch these guys play. But to me, Nate Odoms, at a minimum, every bit is worthy. And then the last guy, every bit is worthy. He's not on now, so he probably never will be. But Butch Baird, Butch Bird, I'm sorry, 40 interceptions, which is the first in team history, 40 picks he had for the Bills. Seven years, he was a five-time AFL All-Star and a three-time All-AFL player. Butch Bird was a stud for the Bills. It blows my mind that he's not on the hall or the wall, and I don't know why. But anyway, those are three guys that are every bit as worthy. And then if there's three guys, I consider these guys debatable. Again, I will listen to an argument to Jerry Hughes about Jerry Hughes over them, and you'll have very possibly some fair points. Uh, one is Aaron Schobel. Not if you look at sacks, though, because Aaron Schobel had like 25 more sacks than Jerry Hughes. It's not even close. But I think Jerry Hughes was a better all-around defensive end, personally. I think Schobel racked up a lot of, I don't want to say garbage sacks, but like kind of empty, sta- empty sacks. Like meaningless. Good player, though. Good player on some bad teams. I like Aaron Chobo a lot. But he's kind of a one-trick pony, whereas I think Jerry Hughes did a lot of things well. Um, Next guy, Cornelius Bennett. And it's not a football talk, because I'm going to tell you right now, if it's a football talk, <laughs> there's no contest. Cornelius Bennett would be on the wall a long, long time ago. It's because of a lot of off-the-field stuff, a lot of accusations and things that transpired off the field that keeps Cornelius off the wall of fame. So I guess the conversation would be how much that should matter. If he should go in before Jerry Hughes. Football-wise, not, not a discussion as far as I'm concerned. And then the last guy, again, another one that people don't really talk about much, but Joe Devlin. He played 191 games on the offensive line for the Buffalo Bills. I think that'd be a good debate. So my personal take to wrap this up is... I love Jerry Hughes. I love Jerry Hughes, okay? I think at the very least, Jerry Hughes has earned the lifetime uh, respect, admiration of Bills fans. He's earned it. Wasn't given to him. He's earned it. Jerry Hughes should never come to Buffalo and have to buy a, a drink in this town again. He should never have to pay for his chicken wings. I I think Jerry Hughes is one of those guys who has earned the right to be regarded as one of those forever a Buffalo Bill guys. No question about it. A very, very good player for a long time. A true Buffalo Bill. No question about it. Again, never make that guy pay for a beer in this town. Again, ever. But in terms of the Wall of Fame, nah. I just, I don't think so, man. I think, and who knows when they're going to start putting people back on there again. Again, it's been what, now fuck, this will be going into year five if they don't put anyone up. But Eric Moles, Ruben Brown, Kyle Williams, don't even talk to me. In my opinion, Will Wolford, Nate Odoms, Butch, Bird, Butch Baird, why can't I say his last name? It's such an easy last name. Those, they're all worthy, or more worthy, I should say, too. 
So maybe someday down the road, maybe he gets into the wall. And by the way, last thing I'll say about the wall is the same thing I say about the Hall of Fame in any sport. I think the Hall of Fame, the wall of fame should be for the best of the best. It's not the wall of very good. It's the wall of fame, the elite, the very best players ever. Those are the ones who deserve to be on. And quite frankly, again, with all due respect to Jerry Hughes, I just, I just don't see it. And if he is, maybe so, but he belongs uh, in a line behind several others. Anyway, all right, let's take a real quick break. I'm going to come back on the other side and I got some thoughts about Josh Allen. And like I said, uh, just a couple minutes about This Is Us. Be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, guys, I'm back. Look, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited to watch Josh Allen play with Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Depending on when you're listening to this today, hopefully you're hearing this before the match happens. But anyway, tonight, uh, the match, if you're unsure of the details, it's at the Wind Golf Club just outside of Vegas and it's on TV starting at around uh, 6.30 p.m.'s pregame coverage or pre-match coverage, I should say, on TNT. The actual match starts at 7 p.m. Look, it's a really good time to be Josh Allen, ain't it? 
he's really become a big star over this past year. And I'm, I'm not talking about a star in Buffalo. He's been there for a few years now. I'm talking about like a superstar, a, a league-wide star. Again, what, what a great year for him. Before last season, and this is just since like the end of last summer, he signed an extension for what, like a, a gazillion dollars? Which, by the way, with what quarterbacks are getting now and what they're going to get over the next couple of years, that gazillion dollars that Josh Allen is making, it may end up looking like a bargain at some point. For real, and I'm not even trying to be funny. So he goes out, he gets paid, and then he goes out on the field and he proves that his MVP runner-up 2020 season, no fluke, not at all. And if that wasn't enough, he goes on the playoffs and he puts together perhaps, perhaps the greatest back-to-back postseason performances in the entire history of human existence ever. Seven touchdowns and the seven possession blowout over New England. That was amazing. But somehow that wasn't even the best game. He was so good in Kansas City, especially when it mattered. Like when all the chips were in, when it mattered the most, Josh Allen was so good that the NFL quite literally changed their playoff overtime rules because it felt like robbery that Josh Allen never got a chance to see the football in overtime. Fans around the world felt robbed. Media felt robbed. The league felt robbed. And the rules change for overtime now. Every team gets a possession. And that is directly because Josh Allen did not get to see the ball. That's how good he was in Kansas City. So your boy is good. Your boy's rich. He's good looking. His girlfriend is insanely good looking. And by all accounts, seems really, really cool. And speaking of cool, Josh Allen, man. Josh Allen is cool. He's he's low-key funny as hell, too. His tweets which aren't often, and he doesn't say a lot, but he's funny. Uh, he speaks well. He speaks great, actually. He's, he's very respectful. Uh, he genuinely loves Buffalo. He loves Western New York, and it shows. You can tell when someone's faking, when they're fronting. Josh Allen's not. You can tell. He genuinely loves Buffalo. He's a, he's a leader. He's a star. He's He's hitting that larger-than-life status at this point. And you know, I remember, I'm old now, I remember being much younger, 30 years ago, whatever it was, and it was like, when you were a teenager or a young adult, which probably a lot of you listening right now might be that age, I remember that. I remember being much younger, and I remember it would be like, uh, it would be like Hollywood sightings. When you'd be out somewhere, whether it was a restaurant or a grocery store, or if you're old enough to go to the bar, you'd be at a you'd be at a nightclub, and you'd see Jim Kelly walk in, or or Bruce Smith, or or Thurman Thomas, or Daryl Talley, one of these guys. They were out and about, sometimes together. It was like larger than life. Like, oh my god, crazy. 
It was such a big deal. And I th that's where we're at right now with Josh Allen. People see Josh Allen out somewhere and they lose their minds. For good reason, too. And again, this is starting to go way beyond Buffalo. Josh is getting like NFL Hollywood level big. And I think that's evidenced by him playing in this big golf match with Patrick Mahomes and, and Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady. Three of the best, not just best, but best known quarterbacks, the biggest stars in the game. And to be fair to Josh, it's for good reason. Again, man, the dude is one of the best quarterbacks and he's one of the best players in the entire league. He's earned it. Ain't shit been given to Josh Allen. Nothing is given. In fact, forget about just Josh Allen. If you're a Buffalo Bill, period, ain't shit given to you, man. Nothing ain't handed to you if you're a Buffalo Bill. You got to earn it. You don't come into the league with any star status when you're a Buffalo Bill. Now, all this said, though, and I don't know, maybe this is just a natural pessimist in me, the trained Buffalo, lifelong Buffalo sports fan. I'm not sure how I feel about my quarterback being this big of a star. I mean, in a way, it's really cool for all the obvious reasons, uh, many of which we've been seeing over the past year. We've seen it on the football field for the last two seasons. And uh, again, if you're listening to this early enough, you'll see it on the golf course tonight on TNT. It's going to be so cool. I love it. But in another way, I kind of like it when the Bills slide under the radar. It's like that big Merle reads in, in Buffalo. Keep Buffalo a secret, you know? Personally, me, I kind of like when the Bills were on the come up. I like being the hunters as opposed to being the hunted. And make no mistake about it. Even though Cincinnati is the defending AFC champions and very well could have won the Super Bowl, and even though the Kansas City Chiefs have been to four consecutive AFC championships, four, it's not Kansas City, it's not Cincinnati. It's Buffalo that's the hunted right now. Buffalo is the Vegas betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. And Josh Allen is the Vegas betting favorite to win NFL MVP. And like I said, maybe it's just uh, me being a Buffalo guy and being a Buffalo sports fan for so long that being that hyped up almost feels like a, like a, like a recipe for, for a letdown. You know, I, I've said it on this podcast recently, in fact, many times, and I'm going to be beating this drum for several more months through the season, in fact, because I truly feel this way. No more excuses. No more trusting the process. None of that. The Buffalo Bills right now are a team that has everything it needs. Everything it needs. And more. And I don't care how loaded the AFC is. I really don't. For me, and should be for you as well, this is 100%. A Super Bowl or bust season for the 2022 Buffalo Bills. And we don't know how, and this is another thing about 
Josh Allen, that concerns me a little bit just because of how sports works, how fans work, how society works in general. People love to build you up so that they can tear you down. We all see it all the time. You know what I'm talking about. I think there is a lot of pressure on Josh Allen this year. Obviously from Buffalo, but even more so from a, a national media perspective. Again, you're the betting favorites and you're the favorite to win MVP. And the Bills have a very difficult schedule early in the season. Uh, I, I could see them struggling early on, a little bit. And I could just see people jumping off that bandwagon nationally, at least anyway. I'm not talking about Buffalo, of course. Uh, people are expecting a moon from this guy, man. And I kind of don't like that. Again, I've always, I've always liked the feeling of being the underdog. And, and that's just, uh, it's just something the Bills right now, and especially Josh Allen, they're most certainly not. Now, that said, you know what? Just like I talked about not uh, looking too far ahead and, and worrying about football season in September right now because it's just the beginning of June. Enjoy it. Enjoy the summer. I would say that with Josh Allen too right now. Just enjoy it. Enjoy having him on TV all over the place. Enjoy his funny comments. Enjoy him on ESPN. Uh, enjoy having a quarterback who's a superstar. Enjoy him on the field. Enjoy him on the golf course. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. It's a good time to be Josh Allen, like I said, and a, and a good time to be a, a fan of the Buffalo Bills. All right, before I get out of here, one more thing. Like I said, I did want to talk about the TV show, This Is Us. It just wrapped last week. Uh, the finale aired. A lot of people had strong opinions. A lot of people from Buffalo, a lot of people that are either guests on this show or people that I communicate, especially on Twitter or Facebook with uh, quite often. I decided, and again, this is all uh, selective. We all have our own differing opinions, but for me personally, This Is Us is now that it's over, is out in the Mount Rushmore of uh, my all-time TV shows. And I, I get it. Potentially, uh, I got a little recency bias because it just ended. Um, but yeah, Mount Rushmore for me. The Office, The Sopranos, Game of Thrones, and now This Is Us. And if you're a fan of the show, or if you watch the show and you're not a fan, but you watch it anyway because your wife or your husband or whoever watch it and you watched alongside them, uh, last week's finale of This Is Us, um, and I won't give any spoil because it's still kind of relatively new. So I'll talk about it like in a non-spoiler capacity. I thought it was good. Um, I do admit, I think it was a little bit unambitious and, and safe, but I also understand why. You know, there's so many great TV series out there that have such, uh, they're good for so long. And then they wind down and you have, they have such lousy or, or stupid endings that it often leaves fans uh, dissatisfied, not angry with them. And sometimes even in some occasions to the point where it'll tarnish uh, the overall greatness of a show. You know, I just mentioned two shows on my personal Mount Rushmore, Sopranos and Game of Thrones. They're not known for having great endings. I think there's other shows. Ditto for Seinfeld, by the way. Seinfeld was, Seinfeld's a show, by the way, that got knocked out of my Mount Rushmore. This is us not knocked uh, Seinfeld off. But Seinfeld, another show. Stupid ending. Great show. And then in some cases, a show like How I Met Your Mother, 
I enjoyed it for a long time. Hated the ending so much, the finale so much, that when I think about How I Met Your Mother, I don't think about its great run. I just think about how incredibly stupid the show was when it ended. Now, personally for me, I enjoyed the simplicity, the, the clarity of the This Is Us finale. And it didn't like pack that raw motion uh, that the last few episodes had. And, you know, many on the whole had. I, I thought it was like a, a classy, uh, classy uh, closure for the entire piercing clan. Um, they let you know that they're going to be all right. And they provided some glimpses into what the future holds for, for Randall and, and, and his uh, senatorial run and, and for Kevin building homes and for Kate, who's teaching music. You know, I, I also love Jack and Rebecca at the end. Um, and don't tell me the episode was like completely void of, you know, emotion. Toby and Kate, that was great. Uh, Deja and Randall moments, I thought those were good. And the thing is this too, it's not about one episode that puts a, uh, you know, a bow tie on the show. I thought This Is Us was an amazing family journey and we witnessed it over what, six seasons, over a hundred episodes. Um, I watched it. I was locked in from day one and I'm blown away that a weekly family oriented drama on a TV network station could be such a success in today's day and age critically and especially commercially in an era where just about everything that we watch is injected into us through streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and Prime, where we can often binge them all at one time, and uh, or cable television, like HBO and stuff like that, and obviously, especially reality TV shows. So this is us, in a way, felt like a throwback to me. And uh, the issue that I hear from most critics, most people on social media that I know that didn't like the show or critical of it, is that it was boring, and I can't disagree more. I would say, if you watched part of this, 90% of you right now, if you're listening and you thought This Is Us was stupid or boring, I would bet 90% of you guys did not get through the first season or if even the first five to 10 episodes. The show, This Is Us was never about fast-paced movement action or, or bellyache and laughs. I thought it was brilliantly layered storytelling that balanced between the past, the present, even the future at times. And it showed raw human emotion. We all have it somewhere inside of us. And there's not a lot of TV shows, past or especially present, with the ability that can make you care about all the characters. So many TV shows we watch, you care about one character, maybe two, and that's it. You don't give a shit about the others. They're time fillers. Not This Is Us. I personally, at least anyway, I was actually mostly invested in like pretty much everybody and their stories equally too. They all matter. And I thought the show did a really uh, authentic job of not making certain story plots involving the characters more important than the other characters. Like nobody was more important uh, than the next one. And then the other thing, this is what bothers me. And I've been beating around the bush up until now. The other thing about this show, I think it didn't resonate as much with a lot of, uh, I'm using ear quotes here, manly men, macho men. It's because your ego, too macho for it. And then I say, screw you. <laughs> I do. I'm not, I'm that guy, man. I'm, I'm not embarrassed to be in touch with my emotions. I wear them on my sleeve, man. I do. 
And This Is Us was like extremely authentic, ranging from tender, cute, to like completely heartbreaking and realistic. Sad deaths, struggling to cope with them, uh, anxiety, drinking problems, weight, self-love struggles, failed relationships. It was real, man. At its core, it's a TV show rooted in simplistic beauty. And it makes you want to strive in your own way to be a little bit better, man. And that's how I felt, especially watching Jack. I'd watch Jack. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better son, a better, better lover, a better friend. And I think This Is Us really captures that uh, essence perfectly. And I know, again, I got a good friend of mine, John, who said he tried getting into it, but he's like, all I do is put it on for the first season and I would cry every week. And I'm like, well, it is. You do cry. It does bring out a lot of emotion in you, but it's more than that. It's not just a, a punch in your gut uh, that makes you want to cry. And I will say that I don't make this too. The show wasn't perfect. Um, I, I really don't want to get into specifics because, again, I don't want to spoil for people who might potentially listen to this or have been considering going and watching it. If you watch it, it's almost spoil shit for you. But there's definitely some lulls in the series. I think especially like in those middle seasons, uh, mainly seasons three and four. I also don't think if you're watching it for the first time or if you're going to rewatch it, I don't, it's not a bingeable show. And that's the other thing too. You know, we watch shows, like, I can't think of a bunch of them actually, like Game of Thrones or Sons of Anarchy, something like that. Sopranos, you can binge those and you don't stop. You keep going and going and going. I don't think This Is Us is that kind of show. I don't think it's the most bingeable show. Uh, you know, because quite frankly, again, if you put your heart into it, it's just, it's draining, man. It's emotionally draining. You can only take so much in one sitting. And I know this for fact, because there would be some times where I didn't watch it for two or three weeks. And then we would catch up. We put on the DVR and I'd watch three episodes. And by the end of that second or especially third episode, I got none left, man. My tear ducts were empty. <laughs> it was just, uh, like I said, it could be rough, really binging it in, in big, big chunks. But anyway, yeah. And a generation that's dominated by all this reality bullshit and full seasons that drop the same day and, and you watch them and you're done with the whole season eight, nine, 10 hours later. I think this is us succeeded in every way. And when a fictional show that make you feel something like almost every time, every episode that you watch it, you know, you got something special. And again, for me anyway, this goes down as one of my uh, three or four all time favorites. My Mount Rushmore, it's there. And one last thing too, I don't pay enough attention and really have opinions on award shows for, especially for TV. Cause quite frankly, I don't watch a lot of television shows, but I will say this, it will be absolutely fucking ridiculous. If both Sterling K Brown and Mandy Moore, if they don't both win Emmys this year, just an awesome show. Sad to see it go on it, man. Again, my Mount Rushmore. Anyway, on that note, that'll do it for today. And I uh, want to thank all you guys for listening. As always, um, make sure you follow me on Twitter, F Hammeran Sweets. I'll say this. I got a month coming up of some really good guests and some really cool things. I got a podcaster's roundtable coming up with three of the best podcasters in the business. In fact, we're doing it for a second straight year. I also have at least one for sure and possibly two Finder Wing Club episodes coming up this month, which I have not done in several months. That's where I get together with guests and we sit down over wings at a restaurant and we tape it live. 
Those are always fun. So I'm going to have for sure one and probably two of those. But anyway, that'll be later this month. And again, Casual Friday, my man Joe Yearning coming up. Just a couple days. Thank you again. Have fun. Enjoy this month. The weather's beautiful, guys. Talk to you soon. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.